I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so I'm sobered up, but there's still some blackouts. And um... I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. I'll tell you one more time. Oh, yeah. We're having a good time. Yeah. We're having a good time. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I am your host. And uh, what a uh, exciting show! Um, I say that as if I have a real plan. I don't have a real plan. I don't. I did a TED talk yesterday. I'd like to talk about that. Um, I did a bunch of shows over the weekend. I want to talk about that. But you know. I've been getting emails from people. I'll do some Bible talk at the end, but probably not a lot. I've been, I don't know how many people listening are going, you know, boo, not a lot of Bible talk or yay. Why you been talking about the Bible all the time? Uh, I don't know what kind of reaction that it'll get, but either way, I've been exchanging a lot of emails with people and these are not short emails. Some people are fired up. It's hard to tell if they're fired up based on an email. Uh, and it's hard to tell if I'm fired up when I'm emailing you back. But I'd like to say it's in this tone. But sometimes mm, I talk to my wife in this tone and she thinks I'm yelling at her. So I'm like, I don't even know if I know what tone means. But we're having a good time. I'm pumped to be here. I, got, I pulled out a, a joke book that I wrote a bunch of jokes down in and I never really did these jokes, well, at least a lot of them. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just read some of these and uh, and just, uh, you know, see how that goes. I think that might be a fun podcast. Uh, I did do some flying. I don't know that I have a real mask rant today. I didn't get too triggered out in the world about mask. I'm sure I can find something. I'm sure I could come up with something, you know, other than just small. Oh, here we go. That's not it. All right, here it is. Your weekly mask rant. I'll never get tired of pushing that button. I just want to push it. Uh, I don't even, like I say, I don't even know if I have a real rant today about it. But I will say this. It is annoying on an airplane. On my way, I went to, well, I, I, I want to save that for the segment, but I flew this weekend. And, you know, on my way out there, I managed to get away with, you know, pretty much not wearing the mask too much. But on the way back, they were really on it. And they, they would go do this. This one flight attendant, he would walk by and he goes, your phone should be on airplane mode. It should be on airplane mode. And I'm like, all right, dude, all right, all right. We're, not, we're still on the ground. Take it easy. If you'll just take off in the plane, then I won't even have phone signal and I won't have any choice but to be on airplane mode. Just go ahead and take off here. Uh, I mean, what do you expect me to do? What do you expect me to do while we're sitting on the ground? Live in my thoughts? You know what I mean? Read a book? I mean, get with it, dude. I get motion sickness when I read in the car and or plane. 
And then he comes back, and he goes, nose above the nose, nose above the nose. I mean, mask above the nose, mask above the nose, which I still don't get the logic of mask above the nose. I never will get it because the explanation has always been you don't want to spray people. It's for their protection. You don't want to spray them. And, um, and I don't spray stuff out of my nose. So I don't get it. Uh, and I... Also, don't, I'm not trying to heat up. I'm not trying to make a mask all hot and moist inside and be breathing in hot, moist air. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't live in Charleston anymore, and that the air there is hot and moist all the time. I don't live there anymore. I'm I'm uh, I'm in a bit less of a humid climate, I think. Uh, but and then one guy was like, "Oh, Mr. Slay, Mr. Slay," and then he was going to give me a mask because I was wearing a mask that was. Uh, uh, made out of a, a a wolf cloth, and he was going to try to give me a new mask, and then he looked at it, he goes, oh, no, yours is good, yours is good, and I'm like, well, I don't even know what you're looking for, dude, uh, but uh, but overall, um, uh, wasn't wasn't a heavy mask weekend, I didn't, I didn't get too fired up, uh, I continue to walk around the airport without a mask on, and um, you know, I'll go through security with it, and I'm on the plane with it, and no one says anything to me. I don't know why everyone's doing it. I'm not sick. Um, but, you know, I know that makes people upset. I get it. People people have been mad at me about masks and stuff, and I'm not trying to start a revolution. What I'd like to be able to do is just see people's faces. That's really what I want out here in the world. I just want to make eye contact with people and see their mouths smile at me. I miss that. People smile at me because I get along well with people. I make people laugh, and I like seeing uh, the smile come across their face. It's a uh, big enjoyment for me, and that's been taken away from me, and I don't like that. And plus, I don't remember you. If we work together all weekend and you've worn a mask, I've forgotten who you are um, n- because I just, I don't know. I don't, all I know is that I saw your eyes, and I forgot about you. And I don't mean to, and I don't want to. I know people all over the country, and I want to keep knowing people. I want to keep meeting and knowing new people, but they keep hiding their faces from me. Going, you remember me? And I'm like, well, you didn't have a mask the last time. Last time I saw you, you didn't cover up half your face. Um, but we're having a good time here. I am actually having a great time. Um, let's get into this. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going, where we've been. All right. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, to finish the mask thing off, I already hit the other button, but some people want to think that, you know, if you're, you know, anti-mask, that you're just being def- defiant for the sake of being defiant, right? You're just, oh, you're just trying to cause trouble. You're going to get us all killed. <laughs> and uh, I don't want any of those things. I just... Uh, I love freedom, and I think it's amazing, and I love breathing. It feels so good. You know, sometimes just going outside and taking a deep breath is just one of my favorite things. So when I talk about not wearing a mask in the airport, I'm not huddled up on people. I'm not breathing on their necks. I'm not being like, what are you up to? (sighs) But I'm... um, you know, I ride on the plane and I wear the mask the whole time on the plane. And then I get off and I'm just like, man, I'd l- I want to breathe for a while. I want to feel good. 
and I'm walking around with a mask on and I see people sitting on high top tables in the restaurant that I'm walking by, no mask on. I'm like, we're the same height up here. I don't understand it. Let me tell you where I went. I went to Omaha, Nebraska to the Funny Bone and it was such a great time. It was a really great time. Um, I worked with uh, Colin Chamberlain, Tyler Walsh. Um, I, is it Tyler Walsh? I, I'm not convinced it's Tyler Walsh. I kept saying Tyler Walsh, but sometimes people think that if you don't remember their name that well, then you don't like them, but that's not true. If that were true, that would mean I didn't like anyone. But, you know, dead air again, dead air. Um, we exchanged. Well, I can't tell you. I saved his number, but it's gone now. It's gone. It's escaped. It got right out of the phone. And, um, uh, yes, it is Tyler Wash. Okay, it is in the phone, too. Anyway, we had a great time. I did some record shopping with a girl that works at the club named Daisy. And I remember that name. Uh, she was very nice, but I remember that name because we are going to name our baby Daisy, a little Daisy Slay out here. Uh, she's gonna, it's gonna be a girl. And, uh, and, uh, uh, so we think, and, uh, who knows? Only time will tell. But, um, the, um, um, so it was just such a great time. I went to like the market area, uh, uh, and, and went, did some record shopping. I got some more records. A friend of mine, named Travis. I won't say his last name. Sometimes he listens to the podcast. I don't know if people want me to say their names and stuff like that, but he came over. He saw a post on Facebook that I made and I was not fishing for free gifts, but he came by and he brought me a record player. He said, this is my old record player. And he gave it to me. He gave it to me with a note and the note wasn't clear if he wanted me to have it forever or as long as I needed it and then give it back, which to be honest, I've given people gifts like that before. I gave a guy a CD player once for his car because I had my, I wrecked my car and I had at the time I had a CD player that you could pull out of the car. I flipped it. I flipped a car and then I got my CD player out of there. And it was just sitting around on a desk. And then my friend needed a, a stereo. And I said, hey, take this one, plug this up in your car. And then when you get a new one, uh, you give me that one back. And you know what? I never got that CD player back. But th the older I get, the more I realize that that was never going to get that back in the first place. That's never going to come back to you. They say don't let people borrow things you can't afford to lose. Because a lot of times people don't give stuff back. And I sometimes don't give stuff back, but not because I want to steal it, but because, you know, it's just, uh, you forget. You forget, especially if you let me borrow a book or something. I ain't never going to read it. I'm going to be honest with it. There's a, you know, I read a book the other day and I was very proud of myself. It was a short book, but I read it in two days. And that's the thing for me. I got to read a book quick. That's why, I mean, the Bible, that's why I think the Bible is amazing to me because I actually do read the Bible and uh, it's, I'm like, it's gotta be, God has to exist because he's getting me to read and that's pretty amazing. Um, and so I'm off track, but I did the Omaha Funny Bone this weekend, five shows. Now this is my first five show weekend 
since uh, since I ruptured my appendix in January because in January I took about a month off and then I went and I did uh, some four show weekends. But this was my first five show weekend back and wow, was I exhausted uh, by Saturday. Not only did I do five shows in Omaha, which were all really great. The owner there, Colleen, really nice lady. I've been hearing about her for years and I've uh, been hearing about the Omaha Funny Bone for years and it was just great. The people who came to the show, I mean, people came to the show that had been to see me at O'Borney's Husker Bar in Columbus, Nebraska years ago. This was years ago when Hannah was still doing comedy and she was featuring for me. We did that place. And then, so people came to see me when I was at uh, Fall City, Nebraska, doing a kind of a charity, well, not a charity gig, they paid me, but kind of a charity gig for um, uh, my agent, Jackie, for her uh, her kids uh school and uh, that was a lot of fun and they came out and it was just i got uh, a girl that i went to high school with came um and a uh, another girl that i used to work with at hyman's came and it's like it was wild and i went out i had a reuben at a place called um i took a picture of that because i didn't want to rem- i didn't want to forget what it was called um but man, have I been saving videos. It's called Bailey's. And I had, uh, oh. I said, boo, on the road. Boo, on the road. Yeah, I ate at a place called Bailey's. And I had a Reuben there. And I'm told that the Reuben was invented in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I'm told that. You know, because it's, you know, a big beef place and people love their meats out there. And I got to tell you, I'm back on meat. Hashtag back on meat. I'm back on meat. And I love it. I had another Reuben today at a restaurant here in East Nashville called Shep's Delicatessen. And it was delicious. I recommend it. It's in East Nashville. There used to be like a little breakfast place right there, if you're familiar with the area. But, man, it's good. It was really It had eggs on it. I just took the eggs off and ate that on the side. And then, anyway... Um, but the Reuben was really good at Bailey's and, um, and the shows were fantastic in Omaha and I, and then I did some record shopping, but, uh, I didn't really do much else, but, um, and then I flew home. I got three hours of sleep on Saturday night. I got three hours of sleep. I was up at 5 a.m. I flew home and I landed in Nashville around one o'clock. I drove home, laid down for a second, took a shower, and then uh, I did a 4 p.m. show at Zany's uh, here in town, which was incredible. It was such a great show. The show was packed out for 4 p.m. I'm so happy with how my Nashville show is going. I mean, I call it, it, it the name gets lost, but it's called Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. And my original intention of that show was to give a showcase opportunity for people that don't normally get to do zanies or for newer comics. And I want to help people get stage time. I mean, that was the original plan and I've tried to keep it that way as much as possible. But as I've uh, moved up in comedy, it has become more of me putting three or four people on a show and then doing an hour of comedy. And I don't know. I like that too. And it feels really good. And Zany's is so great. My, they've painted my picture on the side of the building. Um, and 
it's amazing. And then uh, um, it just was a great show. Chris Porter did the show. Um, some local a local uh, comic in town named Casey. She's super funny. Um, she did the show. And then my friend Alec, um, Alec Parent, who um, moved from California. Uh, I don't know if he wants people knowing that, but uh, he moved from California to uh, to here for a bit. He lives in a van. And uh, so do you ever really have a home when you live in a van? Or is it like a turtle? Your home's always with you. Uh, he, uh, he came and did the show. He's, he's staying here for a bit. Um, and then Monday night, I did Zanies again. I did the new material night. And that was a blast. A lot of people I haven't seen in a while. My uh, Tom Hand from the Huntsville Club, Stand Up Live, works at Stand Up Live in Huntsville, came up. And he did some real filthy jokes. It, he, he did... Uh, he, he did s- such filthy jokes, right? Dropping the P word a lot. And then he said, happy bits. I was like, dude, I was like, you're going to say, I, I said, I love how you're going to say, uh, drop the P word like 25 times and then say happy bits. It's like, you can't, you can't go back. You've already gone way far. You can't go back, but we had a good time and it was great to see him. My friend, Rocky Dale Davis, who's really blowing up. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I mean, he's and he had such a great set, and he's gotten really funny, and I'm happy for him. I saw him in 2000. I saw him in 2020 in Atlanta. We had about three or four cigars outside of the punchline, and which I can't wait to do. At this point, I'm about 80 percent healed. The doctor told me that it takes a month to heal up 80 percent, and then another five months for that extra 20 percent. And man, am I ready for that 20%. I, I, I'm going to wait a while before I have a cigar because, well, they can't be good for you. Even though I don't think they're terrible for you, they can't be good for you. And I want to heal. But man, I would really love to have a cigar. But anyway, I saw Rocky. We had two or three. And, and, and Evan and uh, um, Evan Burke and um, uh, Stephen. Steve, what's Stephen? Stephen Pond. We had a bunch of cigars, Reggie from the punchline outside and, uh, uh, you know, Rocky was having a rough year. Like a lot of comics did in 2020. I was very fortunate, but he had a rough year. He was not getting a lot of gigs and he was, you know, I think really questioning what to do, what the next steps were. And then he just kept at it. He kept pushing. And then, uh, all of a sudden the rock started follow him, following him on Instagram. So he made a post about drinking the rocks tequila. And I think he was about drunk and he was, uh, just talking about how excited he was that the rock followed him. And then the rock shared that video on his Instagram page. And then Rocky just like blew up and he's like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm digging it. I'm like, way to go, dude. And, uh, and he, and I saw him do comedy for the first time in a while and his comedy was very good. So I'm happy for him. So if Rocky comes to your town, uh, go see him. Uh, but if it's terrible, don't blame me. I saw one 15 minute set and I thought it was really good. But if Rocky yells at you or something, uh, that's my bad. Well, no, it's not my bad. I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, but where am I going? I not I can't say. I'm doing private gigs. It makes me sad because I'm going to a state that I like a lot and I haven't been able to go in a long time and I wanted to make 
the show's public because because I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to say it. I'm going to Michigan, and I like Michigan, and I haven't gotten to go there because my understanding is they've been pretty locked down, and these are private shows. I mean, they're legal. They're not underground shows, but they are like more corporate gigs where people have paid me to come as opposed to um, being open to the public. But I I was hoping I would be able to let people know so they could come see me, but – Hopefully, I will be back in Michigan soon, but I'm going to be driving all over the state. I'm going to fly in to Detroit, and then I'm going to rent a car and drive around a bit. So that'll be fun. Hopefully, I can get some kind of travel video out on that. I got a few coming. My friend Matt Price has made me a travel video from Dalton, Georgia, but I just it's too big of a file, and I got to see him in person to get it. Um, so that's what I'm doing. And then I'm doing a show at Zany's in May. I'll probably do all the new material Monday shows at Zany's in the month of May, but I'm going to take the month off the road, which is hard to do because I did not anticipate that I would have to take the time off that I did for the surgery and for the hospital. But uh, my wife's having a baby in May and I want to be around. I'm not, you know, there was a John Anderson song that I used to listen to and, uh, and he said, uh, 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 wish I could have been there for that. And, uh, and I don't, I don't want to be that song. I'm not trying to be that song. Let me play a little bit of it. That seems appropriate right now. Um, it's a, it was a good song. John Anderson, wish. Here we go. Do you hear that? Our baby Kate was born, it was the biggest day of my life. Lying there, little bows in her hair, in the loving arms of my wife. I was the proudest papa in the USA. Making a living on the road somewhere, a thousand miles away. It was a happy day, but kind of sad I wish I could have been there I wish I could have been there I wish I could have been there for that So, great song. The song goes on to talk about other events he's missed in his kid's life, and I'll probably miss a lot of those, but because uh, I will be on the road, but I'm not trying to... I don't want to be away. I've never had a kid, and I don't want to be away when my kid comes into the world. I don't want my kid hanging out in the house for two or three days with uh, f- my wife and family members, and then I come rolling in like, hey, I'm your dad. Uh, get used to me not being around. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be like that, so... I'm going to take that month off and spend some time with my kid and get my, get, get, you know, let my kid know what's happening. Get my kid used to this voice. And, you know, because this voice is going to be talking to her. And I imagine yelling at her at some point in her life. Um, you know, every kid in my life, every family member, I got a younger sister, family members, and I don't know how much they like talking to me. I think they like talking to me, but they do not want to hear my advice. That's why I'm so thankful for the podcast because I actually, I do think people appreciate my advice sometimes. There's quite a few people that listen and not that many that email. So 
There's got to be a section of people out there that's like, who's this guy think he is? Um, but I also, yesterday, uh, I did a TED Talk. I did a TED Talk. Um, what I'd, what I'd like, I'm not going to do it today, but my plan is I did a TED Talk. Uh, and I wrote this really long TED talk about we're having a good time. The, the whole idea was the positive message of we're having a good time that I tell the audience we're having a good time as opposed to ask, because, you know, I'm setting the tone. I'm letting them know we are having a good time. I'm not asking you if you are, I'm telling you, we're getting into this. We're having a good time and how people have sent me messages and emails and stuff over the years, just saying we're having a good time. And they're saying that, Oh, I was going through a really rough patch and, you know, saying we're having a good time really helped me. Your comedy was helpful to me. And I appreciate that kind of stuff. And I also, um, so I want to spread that positive message. I mean, really at the end of it, that's what I want most is to help people and help them feel better about their lives. Because I think I wrote this the other day. I think we're, we're living in a bit of a matrix like world but I don't mean that I think that we're um, that we're in some kind of fake simulation. I don't mean that. I just mean um, that, all right, this is what I wrote. And I may not agree with what I just wrote, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wrote this on April 15th, so this was six days ago. A lot's changed since then. In the movie, The Matrix, everything is great. Oh, oh, everything is great. And then the veil is pulled back and the reality is dark. I think it's the opposite with The Matrix we live in. The world looks the same as in The Matrix, but when you wake up, you see the darkness going on, but the actual reality is much brighter and better. And I think that's true. Uh, you could be living a better life if not for the people who control us. They control our minds through television and media. They control our health through processed foods, GMOs, and pharmaceuticals. They control our history through approved books written by approved authors, land ownership through taxes. They control science through their scientists, right? I mean, we don't know. Uh, sometimes I, I really feel like we don't even know what reality is because we're just given things. We don't know. I mean, like, it's like you could be a historian and go and read every book, but if uh, it's just, you know, I mean, there are some recorded things where you can say, yes, this is true. Yes, this is true. No, this is not true, but it, it, it is impossible to verify everything. And I just think, that sometimes the world that's presented to us is much darker. Like if you watch the news and you go, oh, that's awful, that's awful, that's awful. And then you go outside, uh, with some exceptions, you're going to go outside and find that the world uh, around you is a much better, more peaceful place. And if we weren't, and I don't mean capitalism, but I mean, if we, I mean greed, if we weren't striving for all these material things, uh, we may not fight with each other as much, you know, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I think what I'm trying to say is the matrix paints it as the world is bright and beautiful. But then when you pull the veil back, you go, whoa, we're living in a little ship floating around being chased by robots, 
right? I'm saying we're out here being chased by robots right now, but when you open, when you take the the red pill, is that what pill it is? When you take that red pill, you are in uh, a brighter place. And that's what I think, that's the reason for my Bible talk. I think that when you awake to, you know, the word of God, you're like, whoa, uh, I feel good. I feel good. Things are great now. You know, your life may not necessarily get better, but you can feel better, right? Uh, like, I don't want to die, right? But I, I feel like, yeah, if I die, then I go to heaven and uh, heaven is, you know, supposed to be the best. So why would I not be okay with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, let's do it. And uh, it seems morbid when you're like, oh, I just want to die, right? But that's not what I mean. But it's like, I don't know, if you get to go to heaven, what is the problem? And I don't, I don't understand the problem. I mean, I'm like, let's do it. Um, but um, so that's why I like to talk about these sorts of things. I mean, and also, listen, it's hard to write jokes. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard to write jokes. And I'm trying to write jokes for the stage because the... You know, my wheelhouse is telling jokes. Oh, that brings it all the way back around. So I'm up here doing a TED Talk. I wrote this, what I think was a really wonderful thing. And I'm up there and about a minute into the TED Talk, I'm blanking. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about up here. So I just start, but I have, I'm telling my story, my story in life, where I came from, who I, the kind of jobs that I worked and what it took to become a stand-up comic, the type of work that it took to get me to that place, the type of sacrifice that it took to get me to that place, the amount of times I did things that where people were like, don't do that. Oh, I mean, like when I moved from Opelika to Charleston, several people were like, you're moving away to a town where you don't know anybody for no reason? That's stupid. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. People would say, oh, I know you're going out trying to find different people, but you're just going to find the same people everywhere you go. And I think that is true to an extent, but just moving from my hometown just moving away. It's not that my hometown is bad. I like my hometown. I've, I practically have two hometowns because my parents are divorced. So I grew up simultaneously in two different places. Um, and I think they're both great. I love them. When I go to uh, where my dad lives and visit, I go to the Abanda Cafe and we have, you know, coffee and grits and eggs and my dad eats biscuits and gravy and it's a great time. And then we go to the Penton Grill and have a a patty melt and I see old friends that I grew up with and we have cigars and, uh, and then I go to Opelika and I see my, my old buddy Shane and we hang out in his backyard in a shed and, uh, with his bonsai trees. I'm not making these things up and, uh, mess around with some CBD and it's, um, you know, it's a great time. I go to Jim Bob's chicken fingers, you know, Chuck's Barbecue, of course, I just eat chicken now, but I still go there. It's delicious. And um, and I love it. I drive by where Papa Joe's Barbecue used to be, and I think about all the pulled pork sandwiches I used to eat, and I just I miss the place. I think about the time Jimmy Baggett's dad yelled at me in there. And, uh, cause me, you know, and, and well, I won't get into the details, but uh, he yelled at me in there one day and. I just miss those places. And, but, you know, I moved from Opelika to Charleston 
And it was a, you know, a risk. And it was something that for the first six months that I lived in Charleston, I wasn't very happy. I was, I was happy for the adventure, but I was not doing well making friends. And then I ended up living there for 11 years and I moved all over the place. I had all kinds of jobs. I did all kinds of things and learned all kinds of new experiences. I mean, I worked for a while for a, uh, well, I say a while, I mean about a week for Blue Green, which was a company that sold timeshares. So I had to stand out on the street and try to get people to buy a timeshare, which is not fun. And then I waited tables at Hyman's. I, I was a food runner. I was a host. And then I was a server. And uh, it was, I mean, the, the people that I met, I mean, I thank goodness that Eli Hyman is such a nice man. I, because I have milked the joke about Hyman's and Sticky Fingers being on the same block and about how people thought my last name was Hyman. I was like, yeah, because they named me Dusty Hyman. I mean, I have milked that joke for all it's worth. And I mean, I just did it on the TED Talk yesterday. I mean, that joke is on everything I do. And I, and, uh, and then, but had I not done that, had I not moved there, and then I, I started doing comedy at Theater 99, it's like, and then I did comedy at the Music Farm with Kenny Z, and it's like, had I not done those things, um, who knows where I would be? Had I not taken that risk and gone to Charleston? And then from Charleston, I moved to, uh, oh, well, let's not forget that I sold pesticides for you know, 10 years. I worked with a guy named Stu Barber for a long time who just gave me all this great life advice and just used to not, not, it, it wasn't always just the advice that he gave me so much as it was the, um, holding me accountable and in, and making me have conversation. Like in my early twenties, when I was hung over, when all I wanted to do was just do my job and get out of there, Stu would have us go eat lunch at Shoney's. We used to eat lunch at Shoney's. I remember I wrote a poem that I posted on Facebook. I wrote a poem about a girl that I um, had uh, fornicated with and, uh, and uh, in the past years ago. And I remembered her and I, and I, I liked her. Like we had a little bit of a relationship and then it broke up and I never really remembered why we broke up. And then I was sitting in a Shoney's and this waitress there reminded me of the girl. So I wrote a poem. I was into writing poems in the early 2000s, uh, mid 2000s. I was reading Charles Bukowski and I felt like I was very artsy. I was living on the beach. Um, you know, I was drinking alone in bars, but drinking alone, living on the beach, um, writing poetry. And it was a lot of fun. I wrote a lot of poems and I wrote a poem about her and I posted it on MySpace. And then the girl I wrote it about saw it. And then we met up again and, uh, well, we had a good time. And, uh, so, uh, but Stu would, we would sit in Shoney's and Stu would just, he would read the paper for a while. And then he suddenly, he would set the paper down. He would do this almost every time he would set the paper down and he would go, all right, tell me something, tell me something you've been thinking about. What's something that's on your mind. And then I, the first time I would be like, oh gosh, I have no idea. But 
after a while, I got used to that level of conversation and it forced me as a early 20s individual to have conversation with a man who was in his late 60s and a man who had had many life experiences, someone who was far more interesting than me. And it forced me to talk to him. I mean, he has so many great stories. And then he was like, tell me a story. And I'm like, oh, well, uh, last night, me and my buddy Mike got so drunk that I fell on the floor and threw up everywhere, right? The stories, <laughs> the stories did not, they were not the same. But I also started doing comedy at the time when I was working with Stu. And, um, and it just, and Stu came to my, one of my first comedy shows. And um, I don't know, I just, I'm going to be going to Charleston. If you're, if you're a listener of the podcast uh, from Charleston, I'll be in Charleston at the Charleston Music Hall on July 31st. I'll be there. Me and Evan Burke are going to be there at the Charleston Music Hall, and I'm very excited about it. I hope Stu comes. If Stu comes, I'm going to get a picture with him, and I'm going to try to get some kind of interview with Stu because I don't know if he'll do it, but I want people that have listened to this podcast. I just had a guy last night come up to me at, he came up to me at Zany's. We talked and I was enjoying talking to him. And then somebody came up and asked to take a picture and I took the picture and he walked off and I was bummed because I actually was enjoying talking to him. But he said he had listened to all of the, um, uh, Spectricide series that I did of the podcast. And so people that have listened to that, I'd like them to know who Stu is. I'd like them to hear his voice and see his face. I haven't seen him in uh, probably 10 years, uh, maybe a little less, maybe five years, six years. Uh, so it'd be great for me to see him too. But he just, um, you know, it was a big, you know, inspiration for me in my life. And uh, it's very exciting. And so, um, and then I moved from Charleston to Nashville. Another move, another big move, a move that to a lot of people didn't make a lot of sense. They're like, why are you going to Nashville to pursue comedy? That doesn't make sense. Move to LA, move to New York, pursue your dream, dude. Push it, make it happen. But I had a plan and I knew what I wanted to do and I love country music. And when I moved here, I wanted to do comedy at the Grand Old Opry. And now I've done comedy at the Grand Old Opry like 12 times. I've done comedy on stage at the Ryman. Uh, a place that I had only visited as a young man. And I visited the Grand Old Opry and the Ryman when I was a kid, around 10 years old. And now I've done comedy there. And it's because I just pushed it. I had a manager at one time. And I asked him about doing the Grand Old Opry. I said, I'd really like to do the Grand Old Opry. And he said, why? And I was like, I don't know, because I'm a huge country music fan and the grand old opry is like the best and he would go he said this to me he goes well just so you know that's a long way off and then shortly after that him and i parted ways and then i got a new manager who's fantastic and she got me on the grand old opry without me even asking she was like she called me one day. I still remember. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, working the uh, Tempe Improv. And uh, they called me and told me that I'd be doing um, um, the Grand Old Opry. And I couldn't stop singing 
a song by David Allen Coe where he says, I've seen the Grand Old Opry and I met Johnny Cash. If that ain't country, I'll kiss your ass, right? And uh, you can't listen to that song because it's got a bad word in it. And now that song is forever banned from people's playlist. But uh, that chorus is great. And I have not met Johnny Cash, but I did meet Charlie Daniels. And I stood real close to Charlie Pride. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I met Ricky Skaggs. I met Tom Hanks at the Ryman. I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast. One time I was doing uh, a show at the Ryman. And I have a joke where I say, uh, a lot of people say I look like Forrest Gump after he ran for a long time, right? So I, well, Rita Wilson was doing the show. Rita Wilson's Tom Hanks' wife, also a musician. She was doing the show. I've done a couple of things with Rita Wilson, actually. And so I saw Tom Hanks backstage. So I just went up to him and I go, hey. And he goes, uh, he sticks his hand out. He goes, uh, it's Tom. And I'm like, and I'm like, in that moment, I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that you're introducing yourself to me and you're, you know, you're making the best opportunity to be a real normal person, but you're Tom Hanks. Everyone knows who you are. So he says, Tom, and I was go, oh, hey, I'm Dusty. And I say, hey, I'm a comedian. I do comedy on this show. And I have a joke where I say, I look like Forrest Gump after he ran for a long time. And he laughed a little bit. And that was a lot of fun. And I thought there was two shows that night and I'd already done one. And I thought, well, hopefully he'll stick around because Rita was on both shows. So I was like, I hope he sticks around. I want I want him to see the joke. Honestly, m my dream was that I would do that joke and then Tom Hanks would walk out on stage. I thought that would would have been a blast and uh, an iconic moment, a video that would have gone viral and then uh, it would get billions of views and then it would be all about Tom Hanks. It wouldn't be nothing about me. It would go, uh, look at... Uh, they would go, watch this video where Tom Hanks helps this homeless guy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, but I did, so I went ahead and I did the joke after that so he could see, and then he was gone. It was very sad for me. I was like, ah, oh, he didn't see it. But a few months later, I'm doing the Opry again, and one of the security guards comes up to me, and he said, hey, I just wanted to tell you that that night, you were at the Ryman and you did that uh, Forrest Gump joke. He said Tom Hanks was up in the balcony watching and he was just laughing, slapping his leg. And I'm um, like, I love that. I mean, slapping the leg is a sure sign of a fake laugh, but I still love it. I mean, if you're slapping the leg, you don't think it's funny. <laughs> and uh, I know they call them knee slappers, but I never wanted to slap my knee when I find something genuinely funny. But uh, so that was a lot of fun. So it's like, I've been able to accomplish those things, not because of any um, thing that was given to me. Now, I don't want to say that people don't do things for me. I'm not the, the I, I've heard it said, and I believe it, that the self-made man or the self-made person uh, does not exist. All right. Everybody's had a hand up. Now, there may be one person out there, two people that did it all on their own. But we all have help, right? There's people all around us helping us at all times. If you just pay attention, you know, sometimes people think that their lives are bad for circumstances they can't control. And I'm, I'm well aware that that could be the case sometimes. Um, but I also think that sometimes our lives are bad because of things we can control. 
We just don't know what those things are yet. Like for me, my life got instantly better when I stopped drinking. Now for you, drinking may not be a big deal for you. You may be perfectly capable of drinking. You never yell at anyone. You never black out. You never throw up in anybody's car. People always like being around you when you're drinking. And maybe that's the case. Uh, but that's not the case for everyone. It wasn't the case for me. And so whatever drinking is in your life, whatever that thing is that's holding you back, you got to get that out of the way, whatever it is. Because once you get that out of the way, then you can start to improve. You can start to get better. You can start to feel better. And I know a lot of people, I see them complaining on Instagram all the time. And they're complaining for one reason or another. They're like, uh, I'm not getting anywhere because I'm like this. And I'm not getting anywhere because I look like this. And I'm like, I know you. You're a very nice person. But there's things that you do that bother people. And if you didn't do those things, you would be a lot further along with everything in life. Now, again, I know there are things you can't control. Sickness is one of those things. You know, I mean, I, I got sick. I spent time in the hospital. I had surgery. I've been recovering. And the beautiful thing for me, and I've been very fortunate, and I do not take this for granted. I've been very fortunate to, in this downtime, in this time when I didn't necessarily want to keep doing comedy. I was not feeling very funny. I did not want to say we're having a good time. I did not want uh, to go back and do shows. Um, and But the fortunate thing is when I put out a video of my wife saying that I needed prayers, people prayed for me. People messaged me. People started, people brought me food. People... Um, you know, my friend Travis just bought, brought me a, a record player. People n know that uh, I've been through a thing. People, there's people that I would never want to publicly say what they've done for me because, um, I don't know, I just don't know that they would even want um, uh, people to know that they did. But people have done some truly amazing things for me uh, during this time of sickness, and it means a lot to me. I mean, I never will take that for granted. I mean, some things that have been done, my wife cries every time she thinks about it, every time she sees the, the people, and it's like, you know, my management has been really great, and other people just associated with me in comedy have really come out in big support, and, and, and then, like, even just even if I did not respond, I mean, I got, and I'm not trying to be cool here, but I got so many messages on Facebook and Instagram that it got overwhelming and I had trouble responding to everyone. And if I never responded to you, but you're listening, uh, don't think I took that for granted. I, cause I did not, it, it meant, uh, so much to me. And it's just like, so I think sometimes in our hardest times, sometimes we're afraid to ask for help. Sometimes we're afraid to let people know that we're struggling. And sometimes we talk about struggling so much that people don't even take us seriously anymore. So, but just, you know, be appreciative and have gratitude. That was what my TEDx was supposed to be about, but it ended up just me uh, telling a bunch of jokes. And, uh, but my jokes 
I did jokes that are my story, that are my journey. And then we did a Q&A after. When I was in the q and I was a little bit more relaxed. I started remembering things that I was supposed to say. And the people at TEDx said, you really brought it home in the Q&A. And they were really happy with what I did because they said, after a year like 2020, we want a light, fun TEDx. So I don't think they expected me to do more. But if you follow me on Instagram, you saw the picture. Thank you, David Chastain, for taking the only picture that I think I have. Um, but uh, don't expect some eye-opening TEDx, especially if you listen to this podcast. If you listen to the podcast, you know more about me than a lot of people. I get dang way too personal on here. And, uh, and so you know more about me uh, than, than most. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost at an hour and I didn't even get into the big six. I wrote down a list one time. This is just some jokes. I don't know if I got a button here. What does this button do? All right. That sounds good. That that's enough of a change. Um, this is, I wrote a list of things people say, and this has been written down. Uh, people say, I thought you'd be countryer. That's what a lot of people say to me. I think people don't know what to do with me as a comic because if they see a poster, they see the hat, they see me waving, they're like, I don't know what that guy will be. Or they'll see a video and the video is about trailer park stuff and they just don't know what to do with me. And then they come out and see me and they go, they, I thought you'd be countryer. So I was trying to do a joke for a while where I was like, you know, I'm country. I mean, the first, I grew up in Alabama, I spent, I had divorced parents. My mom lived in a trailer park. My dad lives on a farm. Uh, my dad still lives on that farm. My mom doesn't live in a trailer park anymore. But the, um, uh, I, I, the, I, I used to ride a four-wheeler everywhere at my dad's house. And the first girl I ever kissed, I'm not making this up. The first girl I ever kissed was at a keg party in a chicken coop. Um, these people that lived in where my dad lives, I uh, rode my four-wheeler down there. There was a girl I was kind of seeing from the valley. I'd never really kissed a girl. I didn't know anything about that. I was a bit too old uh, to say that. But, nah, I don't know. At the same time, based on what I've learned from biblical talk, I kind of wish I had never done any of the things that I did because uh, it doesn't benefit you in any way. But nevertheless, I've had a lot of life experience. I've done a lot of things. I don't regret them, but at the same time, I'm like, if I had never done a lot of those things, I'd probably be in better shape just in general. But uh, I was kind of seeing this girl and I had like a half a beer and she probably had a few and she kind of cornered me by a John Deere tractor and we made out for a while. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, I've helped give birth to a cow. I've built a lot of barbed wire fences. Uh, I've rode horses. I mean, I used to shoot each, me and my friends used to shoot each other with a BB gun. I've stood in grass so tall in my shorts that I got ate up with the red bugs. I don't know how country you want me to be. I'm sorry that um, the accent just didn't stick as strong for me. I don't know what it is, but it never, it just didn't. Um, here's another one. Uh, oh, a lady did say this to me. I saw you before the show. I thought you were homeless. I was in uh, Dallas, Texas. I was opening for Burt Kreischer, downtown Dallas, outside of this big theater. I forget what the theater was called. Really big theater, though. Really nice. And I have, you know, obviously long hair, and I have uh, a set of Bose wireless headphones that I, you know, I listen to music on. But it also doubles as a Bluetooth headset, right? I, I'm not a 
fan of the Bluetooth headset. I'm not trying to be cool, but I have these, right? So I was outside of the theater and I was talking to my friend on the phone, but I was talking into the headset. And when I my hair's down, it covers up the Bluetooth. And I guess this lady passed by me. She said, I thought when I saw you outside of the show, I thought you were homeless. And I switched my purse to the other side of me when I walked by you. And I was, um, so I guess she thought I was talking to myself. Um, I also was in San Francisco one time and I walked by a homeless guy and he goes, here, eat this. And I was like, wow, when a homeless guy's offering you food, you know you're looking rough. Um, I had, uh, this was in, this is a thing a lady said to me. This was uh, outside uh, or inside. I, I got to open for the band Alabama in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I'm a huge fan of the band Alabama. I mean, they are one of the greatest bands of all time, in my opinion. Well, probably not even my opinion. I mean, in reality, they're they're one of the best. And they... I, I grew up on all the the rock and you know Dixieland delight, Song of the South, all that side. Sweet potato pie and a shut my mouth. I was just listening to that today. Somebody told us Wall Street fell, but we were so poor that we couldn't tell. I love that line uh, because it's like, yeah, we didn't have any money. We're not affected by a financial crisis. We were living off the land anyway. It was probably before uh, uh, property tax was robbing everybody blind. Um, so I'm in the theater. I've opened for Alabama already, and now Alabama's about to take the stage. And I want to watch them uh, because I love them. And this lady comes up to me and asks if I had ever milked a cow. I've done a lot of things with cows, but I never milked a cow because my dad didn't have dairy cows. And I said no. And then she asked, did I want to? And I said no. Who wants to milk a cow, honestly? I mean, if I'm, uh, I mean, I may become a farmer one day and I may milk some goats and I may milk some cows. And if I'm doing it, it's because I'm going to be drinking it. But I don't want to do it as a recreational activity. So she was like, do you want to milk a cow? And I was like, no. And she looked shocked. And then she said, my husband's getting wild tonight and I need help milking the cows. And I was like, I'm not sure we're even talking about milking cows anymore. You know what I mean? What are we talking about? Um, uh, I don't think this really applies, but, uh, someone, I love it when people say that's not what it means to me. A lot of people say that about various things. I say, this is one of my favorites because words have meanings. I wish I could use this for real things in life, like getting pulled over and the cops like the speed limit is 55. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry, officer. That's not what it means to me. Okay. Uh, to me, limits are meant to be broken. That sounds like a no fear shirt. Um, okay, so that's it for that list. Oh, let me do a couple of jokes that I, um, that this is what I did over the weekend. I had a, uh, or I did on New Material Monday, and this joke did not go well. So I thought, hey, let's try it out here. Um, I was sitting in a, um, where did that go? Jeez, I saved a lot of things. I am a screenshotting maniac here. Um, I um, I was sitting in Yellow Springs, Ohio, and I was in a coffee shop, and this girl came in with a with a uh, um, 
with <laughs> with a uh, with a dog, and she goes, "I think my dog's addicted to chicken." <laughs> And I'm like, addicted to chicken? I don't know. That's what dogs eat. My cat's addicted to dairy. I don't think so. I think your cat likes milk. Just because you're addicted to drugs doesn't mean that your dog's addicted to chicken. That's what animals eat. They're not addicted to food. Your fish is not addicted to water. Uh, although they do say he drinks like a fish. Uh, and then I had this thought. Do C&I dogs look down on other dogs? Like, do they feel uppity towards other dogs? I mean, think about this. A dog, a seeing eye dog could say to another dog, I lead people. You get led by people, but I lead them. And also, yeah, everybody comes up and touches you all the time. People aren't allowed to touch me. I got a job to do, and my job is to not get petted out here all the time. I get to go in places that most dogs don't. You know, uh, there's a sign that says, hey, no dogs allowed unless you're a service animal. Guess what? I'm a service animal. I do a service. Oh, and then the last one was I provide a service. <laughs> So, um, um, and then I had, um, one time I rented a car and they were like, if you take the insurance out, you could wreck the car and you're get away scot-free. And then in another breath, they were like, if you smoke cigarettes in here, that's going to be a fine of $500. So I wanted to smoke in there. So I smoked in there and then I wrecked it. I didn't wreck it, but if I were to tell a joke, that's what I would say. Okay, well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. I'd like to do a little Bible talk here, but I'm not going to do a lot. I've been getting a lot of emails because people were fired up about me talking about, I think we should follow dietary laws, and I get it. Listen, I get it, and and people have sent me, people have sent me some really great emails. Some people um, seem like they're being a bit condescending to me, uh, like they're going, they'll say things like, um, well, good for you for, you know, trying to figure the word of God out. Good for you. Uh, but here's where you're wrong. And I don't enjoy those as much, but I do enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the challenge of this is why I think that we don't need to cover the uh, you know, this is why I think that we don't need to follow the dietary laws. And I just think, I just got, these are my main, these are my main questions. I'm going to read just two verses here. The first one comes from first John and the, the last person to answer me said, said he gave an answer and listen, these, some of these emails are very good, but this, it, this is first John. Now, first John is, um, now I don't know if I'm correct about this, but this is what I, this is been my understanding that John um, wrote the gospel of John, uh, a witness of Jesus. And John, then after the death of Jesus, John was taken and shown the vision of revelation, 
whether it was time travel or whatever happened, he wrote Revelation. And then he came back and he wrote 1 John as a warning to us all to be like, listen, I've seen some things and do not get this wrong. And then he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he that saith, I know him. Oh, no, let me, let me start at, at 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. Now, what I was told um, is that means the commandments of Jesus, which apparently are different than God, even though God and Jesus are the same. Uh, so, um, and then there is Matthew, and this is going to come from Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Whosoever, this is Jesus speaking, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is a bit confusing to me because to be called least in the kingdom of heaven sounds terrible, but it still sounds like you're in the kingdom of heaven. So I don't know if there is hierarchy in heaven. It seems like there wouldn't be because we're told that, you know, my understanding is that heaven is perfect. And if it's perfect, I would think that you wouldn't have anybody necessarily that was above you but maybe it's just uh and maybe it wouldn't even make any difference to you like if i worked at a job and i enjoyed my job as much as the manager of that job and me and that manager made the same amount of money and we were both very happy what difference would it make if i was the manager or not but i don't know if that's what it means but it just says this and it seems powerful whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be least in the kingdom of heaven. So I've asked the question, what commandments are those? And mainly what I'm getting is, you know, New Testament list about sexual sin and stuff like that. So, I mean, my big question, you know, really for people is if, if Jesus and John are both talking about how important it is to follow commandments, um, then why, uh, then what are those commandments? I would think that if Jesus was going to hammer something home so hard to where he was like, you got to follow these or you're, 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 you know, you're going to be in some trouble that he would list them out. And when I think about what's being listed out, I think about, oh, the old Testament lists them out Leviticus. And then again, in Deuteronomy, and there's, you know, laws all throughout. And people often act like the laws are so hard that no one can follow them. And I agree that none of us will be perfect in what we're following. But I don't particularly find the Old Testament laws much harder than the laws that Jesus has given us that he has defined. I mean, he says, 
you've heard that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say, if you even think about having, uh, you know, relations with a woman, then you've committed adultery already. Now, I don't know about you. I've known a few men in my life that I think it's amazing that these men uh, seem to have no problems with lust at all. But me personally, uh, it's something I've always struggled with. I find women to be very attractive. Now, you know, I struggle with it, you know, uh, 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 mentally. And, and it's, you know, it's better now than it's been in younger times in my life. But that is definitely a hard command. You know, it's one thing to, to, to be like, you can't physically do that. But to be like, you can't even think about it. And I'm like, wow, that's really hard. And he says, you've heard thou shalt not murder. But I say, if you even hate your brother, then you've murdered him already. Now, I don't think I hate people. I never even like to use the word hate. I'll say, I hate that, I hate this, but I won't, say, I won't say I hate that person. And if I do, I quickly follow it up with, I don't hate them, but I don't like them very much. And it's like, but what is the definition of hate, really? I mean, think about it. I was thinking about this before doing the podcast, and I was thinking, I don't think I hate anyone, right? I don't think that I do. But there are people that I know that I've had such fights with, I've had words with, I've had such bad times with them. I thought about this. Now, this will sound terrible, but this is me being honest. I ask myself, if that person died, would I be sad? And I don't know. And that's why... I got to wonder, does that mean I hate them? Because if I love them as God has told me to do, as Jesus has told me to do, then would I be sad if a person I love died? And I just think that's pretty powerful. And I just think, wow, um, maybe I do hate people. <laughs> and uh, And so those two things right there seem like, difficult laws to uphold. So what laws in the Old Testament are harder than those? People will say, oh, the Bible says mixed fabrics. Don't wear clothes of mixed fabrics. But if you read the King James, it says don't wear clothes mixed with woolen and linen. And I don't know who's wearing woolen and linen. I think that some of the commandments are speaking specifically to, uh, you know, the Jews who have been in, um, captivity in Egypt for 400 years and now they're coming out and they have adopted all of the pagan traditions of the Egyptians. So God's like, all right, the Jews weren't living like this prior to Egypt. When it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were abiding by my laws, even though they're not written out in the Bible at that time, they were abiding by them. Uh, that um, now um, I have to reteach my people to follow these laws. And I think, you know, when it comes to dietary laws, I understand. I'm currently been in quite an email exchange with a person who owns a restaurant. It seems like they do. And 
I bet they serve pork at the restaurant. So I realize that that would be difficult. And who wants to hear it from, you know, a comedian? Who wants to hear that it's wrong from a comedian? So I'm not on here trying to tell anyone that their lifestyle is wrong. I'm not trying to tell anyone that they're living in sin because I don't think that's my place. But what I am trying to share is my beliefs and how I've come to those beliefs. I used to be an avid pork eater. I said to my friend in a funny way on many occasions that if they find out that pork is the miracle meat, then I'll be the healthiest person alive. I mean, I used to eat, I I would go to Chuck's, but when I used to work at Jim Bob's, Jim Bob's and Chuck's barbecue were owned by the same people. I would go leave work at Jim Bob's and they would give me free food at Chuck's and I would eat, you know, two barbecue sandwiches a day. After high school, I used to go to Papa Joe's barbecue and I would eat a barbecue sandwich every day. I uh, lived in Charleston, South Carolina. I would eat Melvin's and Sticky Fingers and, and, um, uh, there was an Bessemer's and Duke's and I mean, I used to seek out barbecue restaurants on the road. I was just always eating barbecue. I love ribs and pork chops and pork tenderloin and pulled pork and, 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 and everything. And I just felt convicted one day to not eat it. And I've stopped eating it. Now I'm not saying you're wrong for eating it. But what I'm saying is it seems pretty clear that the Bible doesn't want us to eat it as, as Christians, as, you know, I know it was given to the Jews, but God says, these are my laws. These are the laws of God. And through Jesus, we are grafted into that tree. And everybody says grafted into a new covenant. Well, sure, a new covenant, but I don't feel like the new, being new means everything is thrown out. Um, and if you look, and, and I've said this before, but on a scientific level, uh, I've watched a few things about this. Um, they say that the animals that are listed as unclean have really high toxicity levels, and the animals that are listed as clean have little to no toxicity in them. So you're overall a healthier person if you don't eat the unclean animals. And then if our body is a temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, then we should not put toxic things into our bodies. Now, the Bible doesn't say don't eat a Snickers bar, don't eat Reese cups, but I'm sure those do awful things to our body and we probably shouldn't eat those either. And I don't think that you're gonna go to hell for eating a pulled pork sandwich. But again, I'm not telling you that you are sinning, but I'm also not telling you that you're not, right? I'm not, I'm no authority. And I just think sometimes if we read the Bible in the way that I did for so many years and the way that I know so many Christians that do is that we read from the New Testament and then maybe we read some of the Old Testament. Maybe we go back there and read it. Uh, and then when we do read it, we've already developed this lens. We're already looking at the Old Testament through a lens of what we've been taught in our church, and that is that we don't have to follow the laws of the Old Testament. So we go back and read them and we go, oh man, it's a good thing I don't have to follow these or I'd be in some real trouble, <laughs> right? And so what I'm suggesting is that, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe we do follow them. Maybe we do give some credence to them. So I'm happy for any discussion on this because I love this. 
Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's really helped me a lot. And if anything, it's just a fun discussion. And that's what I want it to be, a fun discussion. But people, uh, it seems like some of the emails are, I'm getting are like mic drop emails where they're like, um, uh Boom, 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 this verse, mic drop, get out of here, go eat a pork sandwich, right? Um, and, you know, uh, talking about Sabbath days, I believe that the Sabbath is sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. I believe God created the earth in six days and then he rested on the seventh. And I believe that has not changed. Um, but also I understand people have different doctrines, different beliefs. What I think is great about this is that we are coming together and having these discussions. And I think that's the best thing. I mean, the, the Bible says that when two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with you. I don't know if he means that through email, but I think the discussion, if you, if you send me a verse and I'm not familiar with it, I'll go read that whole chapter just so I can gain some context around it. Now I've read a chapter that I probably wasn't going to read that day. And the same for you. What I don't like is when people copy and paste uh, a commentary from someone else because, I don't know, I don't trust all preachers. I don't trust everything. Um, in fact, I'm going to be completely honest with you. There's only a handful of people probably that I trust all the way. Um, and if I don't know them, if they're just somebody I watch on the internet, I don't trust them all the way. There's no one's doctrine that I've ever 100% lined up with. Actually, there's one guy that I think we 100% line up, but I would not share his name because if you looked him up, you'd think I was a kook. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe you think that already, and that's fine. Um, but um, I do want to leave you with this, though. I, I thought this was interesting. I did read this in a book, but I thought this was an interesting commentary that when Jesus is sitting with with people and i don't know exactly the verse here but he 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 has a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and he starts breaking them and then he feeds hundreds of people with these few loaves of bread and these few fish and then at the end he tells his disciples he says go around and pick up all the things that were left over let's make sure that we don't waste anything so then there's another time where jesus is walking through he's going into a town and he comes across, it's either one man or two men who have been really uh, infested with demons, right? And he pulls the demon out of the person, and the demon says to Jesus, will you send me into that herd of pigs over there? And, and based on the commentary that I read, Jesus never granted the wishes of demons. But he said, okay, I will. And he sent them into that herd of pigs and that pigs ran over the cliff and died, I assume. And um, then the, the men uh, ran into the town telling everybody what Jesus did, tell them of the miracle. And they're like, look, we're free. We're free of our demons. And people of that town, knowing that these men were demon infested and knowing that these men were debilitated by this, uh, did not seem to care that Jesus had done this. And they were like, get out of our town. Get out of here. And I imagine it's because they were mad at him for killing all their pigs, their pigs, which they probably considered food, and were now, um, you know, now they've lost a herd of pigs. Who knows how many pigs they were. And I just thought that was an interesting commentary that Jesus did not want to make sure that he did not waste food 
but did not care about killing a herd of pigs that people probably considered food. And I just thought that was interesting. Also, in the story of the prodigal son, uh, I've, I've come up with this. The, the kid um, leaves home, and then he finds himself starving, and he's feeding pigs, and he said he was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food that they were feeding the pigs. He didn't say, I was so hungry, I wanted to eat a pig. And I just think that's interesting. And coming from a person who has went to um, Guatemala Island and bought a whole pig and threw it over his shoulder and took it to a party where we then cooked that over an open fire and then ate from it, I think it's a big step. And I have not eaten pork on purpose in a long time. And I just want to share that. But I, I don't want anyone, it's, I don't want you to be a, a non-Christian listening to this, thinking, geez, this guy. I want this to be interesting for anyone. I, I, um, I believe that, you know, um, I have been led by God and I have been protected. And I feel very fortunate and, and thankful. And I'm, but, you know, I, I just... It's hard for me when people will say, you know, the new covenant is to be nice to people because I know many non-Christian people that are very nice to people. Uh, I know lots and lots and lots of atheists and agnostics, and I know Muslims, and I know uh, practicing Jewish people, and I know um, uh, a couple of Hindu people I actually know, and, and they've all been very nice to me. And I see them interact with other people and they're very nice to them. So I just don't think that our doctrine is be nice to people. And, and now, of course, uh, that's part of it. I mean, do be nice to people, love people. Uh, Jesus says, love your neighbor. And they go, who is my neighbor? And basically he's like, everyone. He says, it's easy to be nice to people that's nice to you. How hard is that? It's hard to be nice to people that aren't nice to you. That's, and that way, if I had a challenge, and I'm not trying to challenge people, but if I did have a challenge, and you are a prayer, even if you're not a prayer, why not send up a prayer? Um, pray for somebody that you don't like. Think about somebody that you just don't like, you got no use for, and then, and then pray for them. Like, even if it hurts you a little bit, you know, give a prayer for them. And I, I still want to keep the same weekly challenge uh, for homeless people. I have a real heart for homeless people because for a long time, I just thought homeless people were bums out there that were just like, uh, they just out there, they don't want to work, and they're just out here trying to get money. But you know what? Now that I've, well, I've actually believed this long before, but especially now that I've had an injury Oh man, I can't imagine what it would be like to go back to work with an injury. And my injury, I'm, I'm healing from, but some people never quite heal. Some people get on pain medication because they went to the hospital and the hospital gave that to them and then they got addicted and now they have an opioid addiction. Some people maybe just tried meth or crack recreationally and then they never could break free from it and they're out there and it's like they may take the money that you give them and they may buy meth with it. But I say that I saw a woman the other day. She looked, she, she looked like she was about my age and she looked like a very attractive woman, but she had lots of sores on her body. And, and I just, based on her movements, 
I've been around people on meth and based on her movements. And I just thought this lady is addicted to meth. And I, you know, I don't ever want to talk about giving things to people. That is not what this is about. I never would film myself giving money to someone and, and put it on the internet. Lord knows. And I don't even want to talk about it on the podcast, but I just, uh, I did give her a little something, you know, and she said, um, she said, thank you for looking past all this. And she pointed to her face and I just, it made me so sad because I gave her very little. Um, and I just was like, I want to be able to do more for her, but I don't know what I can do for people. And I thought, you know what? And this may sound crass, but this girl could be out prostituting herself for meth for all I know. So if she took the money that I gave her and bought meth with it, then maybe that's one day she didn't have to prostitute herself out. And that just, uh, honestly, it gave me no comfort because I um, still felt terrible for her. But I just, I don't know, if you got money to give and you see a person out there, give them a little something. And um, because you don't know what people are going through, give them something, give them a smile, Say, I hope things get better for you, anything. I've even had homeless people tell me, they're like, the worst thing is when people won't even make eye contact with you. And I found now that I've been giving more to homeless people that when I don't have something to give or sometimes I'm in a bad mood and I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I don't, you know, for whatever reason I don't give, I'll still wave to them. And I, I feel less guilty about waving without money now that I do give a fairly amount. So just that's a challenge too, just... Be nice to them. If you see them, make eye contact with them. Give them a smile. Wave to them. They may not get that a lot. All right. I hope you've had a good time. I've had a great time. Gosh. I'm telling you, I had really no plan here. I'm just talking. I am such a talker. I need to just learn to be quiet. That's that's another thing I struggle with. James, if you ever read the book of James, that guy talks about bridling the tongue. Lord knows I need help bridling the tongue. And somebody actually was calling me out a little bit in an email about comedy. They were like, well, you want to follow the laws? Well, here's a law that talks about uh, no crude joking. And I'm like, well, you got me there. And, uh, but I, but I said to them, I, you know, I am influenced. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't, I, I say, I try to follow the laws. I don't mean I'm successful. And I, um, I just do it because I want to work on myself. I want to be a better person. I want to be better to the people around me. Um, and, uh, but I'm like, I am influenced by it. I mean, I don't tell, I, I got a few dirty jokes in here, but, um, but I try not to tell them. I try to tell just fun, wholesome jokes that we can all get down with. And I don't tell jokes that make fun of people. I try not to anyway. Um, all right. Anyway, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this. We're having a good time.